Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you can find anywhere. Before I get going, it's Packers-Vikings week, and I've asked you a couple times for some Packers jokes. I'm sure you've got Vikings jokes. So if you do, email me those at packerwriter.com. 2002 at yahoo.com preferably g or pg rated please this is a uh, a family show and i'm sure some of you guys are, are listening with your kids in the car or whatever so uh keep it a little clean please and thank you and also a big thanks for listening i uh, cross a big listener milestone with the monday postgame podcast so thanks for listening and i will try to continue that mediocrity this morning with my sleep deprived podcast um, my son grady woke up in the middle of the night He's six. He woke up in the middle of the night and asked me to come cover him back up. Well, the challenge here with him, he's got like 20 stuffed animals. I mean, there's like no room in his bed. It is, it's, he's got a pillow and like more stuffed animals than, you know, you know, Shopko's got. So it's a, it's a challenge. And then I'm still awake. And then I, then it starts to rain. And it is just raining like crazy. I can hear the wind blowing. So I, I come down and I close all the windows so, you know, our, our house doesn't turn into a swimming pool. And then I just listened to the thunder. It was an amazing night last night. I don't, it wasn't severe weather, but it wasn't like, you know, your typical boom of thunder, then a break, and then some lightning. It was like one nonstop rumble of thunder for like five or ten minutes. And something I've probably only experienced once or twice. Maybe I don't pay much attention to it. Maybe you're a meteorologist saying, well, you're a big dummy. That happens all the time. Well, it was pretty interesting listening to the, just one continuous rumble of thunder which didn't really go away so much as the storm just passed through. Um, and then five, well, I doze back off like five in the morning, and I wake up to this dream. It's my other son, Isaac, and he's complaining there's something tangled up in his blankets. So I go in there, and it's Demarius Randall. Demarius Randall is stuck in Isaac's blankets. So I pull him out, and his hand falls off. Well, fortunately, his hand is made out of Legos. So I pop it right back on, so it's no big deal. <laughs> so that's stupid stuff, by the way. On to first down, and the injury to cornerback Sam Shields. And during the fourth quarter of Sunday's victory against Jacksonville, Shields suffered a concussion, and you don't have to look very far into his history to figure out his concussion problems here. During a December game against Dallas, he suffered a concussion, and that's settling for the final three regular season games, as well as a playoff game against Washington. So you, you, you worry about the guy at some point long-term, and I know there's been a lot written and said about CTE and you know you know real scientists have real debate over this um I know there's the concussion movie with Will Smith that portrayed the NFL as a dark organization there's people on Twitter who swear to God the NFL doesn't give a rip about the players and they're just using them as meat and you know what you know maybe that's true I also read a magazine called Discover and they had a story in there with scientists talking about CTE and there's legit scientists out there who aren't ready to make that link between playing football and CTE and, you know, chronic brain problems. But nonetheless, 
I mean, you worry about a guy like Shields after he, after he basically missed a month the last time he had a concussion. Now he gets another one, what is this, nine months later? So there's some concern from the Packers, too. This is from Coach Mike McCarthy and his Monday afternoon press conference. He says, anytime any of our players is in the protocol and dealing with a concussion, it's a concern. That's why we'll evaluate Sam each and every day to make sure he's healthy and goes through the challenges of what he's dealing with. It's a protocol. I think they do a great job, particularly our doctors, of taking it one step at a time. We definitely are aware of his history, and that will factor in how we move forward. So that's... uh. And play the Vikings, so maybe maybe you get by in this game. I mean, if you're just looking from a cold, heartless football perspective, and they are playing the Vikings, it is a run-first team. Now, who knows who their quarterback's going to be? Their offense is terrible against Tennessee, so if there's ever a game where you can get by without your top corner, this might be the one. Um, you know, against Jacksonville, well, at the start of the Jacksonville game, Green Bay's starting corners, because they play nickel all the time, their starting corners were Shields and Demarius Randall on the outside, Ladarius Gunter in the slot, Rollins winds up getting benched at one point. He missed the tackle on that big screen pass to uh, tight end Mercedes Lewis. Then, then he gave a touchdown to uh, the other tight end, Julius Thomas. He gave another big play as well. So he gets benched, and they end up bringing in Ladarius Gunter into the slot. Well, finally, Shields gets hurt, and then they have to bring Rollins back into the game. And Rollins, who, as you recall, deflected that first drive pass for an interception, makes one of the plays of the game on, in that late in the game where Quarterback Blake Bortles goes deep to a star receiver, Allen Robinson, in the end zone, and, and there's Robin and there's um, Rollins there to to deflect that pass and once again help save the victory. So they're obviously going to need, you know, I would think they'll go with Randall and Rollins here, probably as a starting tandem, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. You know, maybe Gunter might be a better matchup against um, the rookie receiver Laquan Treadwell. So we'll again we'll see how that plays out during the week. You know, if if there's one upside here with Rollins, it's the way he bounced back, and this is, and that's what Dom Capers took out of it as well. This is again from Capers from his Monday evening press conference. It says, when you're playing out there on an island, you're going to lose some. But I like the way he battled back. He made a really big player at the end, really big play there at the end of the game, where they tried to throw the ball up to Robinson, who's one of the better go deep and go up and win the one on one battles receivers. I thought that's the best thing that he did. I was encouraged the way Quinton battled through some things. You're going to have some. You've got to have a short memory out there, and you've got to come right back and make your plays. You can't let it affect you. And I thought he battled through. You know, and after and uh, just earlier on Monday, Coach Mike McCarthy gave Rollins a big vote of confidence, calling him a you know very good player. So we'll see. It looks like at this point, I would wager that Green Bay is going to go into a gigantic week two matchup against the Vikings with a couple of second year corners playing the Vikings. And this segment of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by me, PackerReport.com. Not only do we give you great premium content at Packer Report, but we also have 10% discounts on tickets and 10% discounts on gear. You get the whole network, too. So if you're a Badgers fan, we got a whole bunch of great Badger stuff with our Badger Nation website. And if you would like to advertise on this, web, on this podcast, uh, just send me an email, and I will give you all the demographic information that you'd want. Uh, contact me at PackWriter2002 at yahoo.com for more information. On a second down, and that is the run defense from Sunday's victory against Jacksonville. And then, of course, looking ahead to that fellow by the name of Adrian Peterson, who's up for Sunday night in Minnesota. You know, I picked the Packers to lose the Jacksonville game because I thought they wouldn't be able to stop the run. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day, I'm right if Chris Ivory plays. But, hey, that's the way it goes. 
Green Bay's run defense was tremendous. And I'm surprised with how they got that done. That they did it. You know, I, I, I was worried that the Packers would either, you know, play Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark, the two rookies, a lot. And they wouldn't be up to the task. Or I was worried that they'd have to play Latroy Guy and Mike Daniels a lot. And they'd get worn down in the fourth quarter. And either way, Green Bay would get run over and lose the game. Well, that didn't happen. And they did it without Guy and Daniels playing a whole lot of snaps. They, they were around 60% each, which is... You know, probably about as high as you want to go for a Dean Lyman, but I mean, they didn't they didn't kill those guys, so to speak. You know, the the rookies plus slash young guys of, of Clark, Lowry, and uh, last year's practice squad guy Christian Ringo only played about you know about twenty five thirty snaps combined, so they were non factor. You know, Dayton Jones, you know, played a few snaps on, on on the base defense, and he was a a staple in their you know their two D line nickel package. So you know, Dayton Jones ate up some of those snaps too. So they found a way to get by, and have to do that again. Against the Vikings, but here's the tale of the tape from Sunday. Green Bay allowed allowed 1.85 yards allowed per carry against Jacksonville, and a lot of that work was on the first drive. So after that first drive, they went down to 1.52 yards per carry. Now, now here's the big number, and I had this at in our post game numbers piece at PackReport.com, one of our uh, highly read subscribers um, pieces after the game. The Packers allowed 4.54 yards per carry last season, and they ranked 29th in the NFL. And they also allowed 4.54 yards per carry, coincidentally enough, over the previous six seasons combined, and that ranked 30th. So in that context, you know, Sunday was a fabulous start. In, in more than that, again, from 2010 through 2015, the Packers allowed 2.0 yards per carry in a game just three times. So that really adds some interesting context to what Green Bay accomplished run defense-wise against the Jaguars. I, you know, I pointed out, you know, just kind of roughly those numbers to Capers, their, their history to Capers yesterday, and he and he pointed out that he thought Green Bay's run defense was actually pretty good last year. He he you know he you know he can bases their run defense success on on wins and losses. You know, basically how many reps they win in a game and how many reps they lose in a game. And he thought they played well last year from that perspective. The problem he said were were long runs and quarterback runs slash you know quarterback scrambles, and you know, I'm, you know I go back and he's right about that. But you know, look at look at the game Sunday. Jacksonville's long long run seven yards. Blake Bortles who ran for more than three hundred yards last year. You know a, a big scrambling guy. His longest run was for three. So Green Bay really took care of business there. I know some of that was they they spied with Joe Thomas to keep Bortles in the pocket. A lot of five-man pressures to kind of cut off those running lanes, but Green Bay found a way to keep Jacksonville in check. Now, obviously, it's a whole other challenge with Adrian Peterson, who's who's had some really big games against the Packers. He's also been shut down a few times too. But you know, Peterson in my lifetime, he's the only running back where every single time he gets the ball, you think he can go the distance. He is just look, he's the greatest running back of this generation, and. You know, the Packers are going to have to find a way to keep that guy in check, obviously, to to win this football game on Sunday night. And, you know, it, you know what what made the Jacksonville game so big is they consistently kept Jacksonville in the third and long situations. And, and if you can get in the third and long, I like Green Bay's chances because they're going to rush the passer and they're going to get their hands on balls. And, you know, the Vikings might have a better running game with Peterson, but Jacksonville's got a better passing game. Well, you know, whether it's Sean Hill or, or – uh, Sam Bradford at quarterback. I, I like if they can get those guys in their third and long. I certainly like Green Bay's defensive chances for Sunday night. 
Hey, the first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How did your fantasy football teams do this week? Did you get in the fun over at FanDuel? No? It's not too late. Week two is only days away. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, which means there are no busted seasons if your first-round draft pick goes down with an injury. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. They have some new things this year that are really cool. Try some beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. I really have to do this with my wife, Melissa, because we love fantasy football, and I love creaming her just because her Pistons beat my Bucks three out of four, so I have to get some bragging rights someplace. Uh, try 50-50 contests with a top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar or play for really any budget. This week has a $2 million payout, including $200,000 for first place. Have all that fantasy football has to offer with FanDuel. Be sports rich. Try FanDuel now. And get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to the NFL 50-50 Beginner League contest. Valued it up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on the deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, join, hit click the Join Now button, and use my promo code LOPACKERS. That's FanDuel.com, promo code LOPACKERS. That's L for locked, O for on, then Packers. Void where prohibited. On the third down, that'd be a few surprises from Sunday's victory against Jacksonville, and I'll start with the special teams. One, that Jeff Janis played. Now, I guess I shouldn't be surprised based on the way practice shook out last week where he was a full participant and seemed to be doing everything when we got to watch, but that the Packers would put him out there basically with one hand. I mean, that's a surprise, right? I mean, especially, you know, just with the way that, you know, the way few position can swing on special teams, you get a one-handed guy out there. But you know what? It shows the bail that they place in Janis. You know, especially in, with two of their star guys, um, Chris Banjo and Jaron Elliott, sideline by injuries, and a third, Dimitri Goodson, sideline by with a suspension. I suppose they needed Janis from that perspective. But again, it shows how good he is on special teams. Now, I know everybody loves the fact that he's big and tall and can run as a wide receiver. I just don't think it's ever going to work out as a receiver. I mean, but you know what? If you get a great special teams player with a seventh-round draft pick, you've got to be thrilled, right? So, you know what? If that's what Jeff Janis is, if Jeff Janis is, is nothing more than a difference maker on special teams and maybe a bit player on offense, but is a really good special teams player, I, I think I think for that, you've got, to be, you've got to be thrilled. Number two would be the play of guard Lane Taylor. You know, I don't think anybody outside of 1265 Lombardi Avenue thought Taylor would play this well against Jacksonville. I and mean, he had a heck of a good challenge. Malik Jackson's one of the better D tackles in the NFL. And he gave up a couple of pressures, but anyway, otherwise he played he played really well. You know, you know, if you're a young offensive lineman, you just basically if you can get through a game without getting noticed, then I think you've done your job. And and I think that was mission mission accomplished there. And you know, that opening drive, it's a fourth and one and you know, McCarthy goes for it, and they run the ball behind Lane Taylor and left tackle David Bakhtiari, and Lacey gains nine for a first down, and they end up getting a touchdown out of that. Now, you know, Edgar Bennett was asked about that play, and I asked Lane Taylor about that play yesterday, and, you know, really neither one of them saw any great, deep, meaning, significance behind running the ball behind Taylor as a let's-go-show-em, guys, kind of play. But, look, that's where the ball went eventually. You know, Taylor said that that play could have gone in any direction, and Lacey just took it behind Taylor, but you know what? It's it's a it was a statement play. I mean, there's really no other way to spin it. It was a it's a great way to 
you know, build some momentum and some confidence and, and, you know, it's a good start for Taylor. And he's got a, he's got another big challenge this week where, where the Vikings have two great D tackles and Linval Joseph and Sharif Floyd and, you know, the middle linebackers, Eric Kendricks, who's, who's better than anything the Jaguars got. So it's going to be another big challenge for Taylor, but it, I think you, you leave the Jacksonville game feeling a lot better about that position than he did going into that game. And then number three would be Joe Thomas. If you want to go to the defensive side of the ball. First of all, I can't believe Joe Thomas played. <laughs> you know, I would say after the first two or three days of training camp that Blake Martinez took every single number one defensive rep as the dime inside linebacker, as the every down guy. You know, obviously Thomas held that role last year when they reacquired him from Dallas early in the season, but I, I couldn't believe it. I, I'm watching the game, and it's that's 48 at, as the diamond rather than 50. And then Thomas deliver. Look, they don't. They probably don't win that game without Joe Thomas. The, the, the first play, the first key play, obviously, is the interception. The first, the first drive interception. You know, I watched that play again on Monday morning. Joe Thomas is blitzing up the middle. The ball is thrown. The ball is batted around 16 times by cornerback uh, Quinton Rounds and receiver uh, Marquise Lee. And Joe Thomas hustles down the field and makes the play for the interception. So a great hustle play. And then that last play of the game, again, another hustle play. It's fourth and one. Dom Capers calls a seven-man blitz, and Joe Thomas is blitzing up the middle. The ball is thrown outside. You know, the Packers gang tackle, and one of those guys in that gang tackle was Joe Thomas to make the play. Another, again, another great hustle play. And the Troy Guyon hauls him off the field, which I thought was a kind of a significant uh, sign of what Thomas meant to that victory. You know, I, I you know I asked Capers about why Thomas rather than Blake Martinez in that spot, and and Capers thought, you know, it's the first game of the year, and he just wanted to go with an experienced guy. And while I don't think Thomas did great at that job last year, I mean, he certainly didn't hurt him either. So, you know, there's a, at least a decent track record there. And you know, look, Thomas was the forgotten guy in training camp. There, you know, everyone loves the new guy, and that was Blake Martinez. And then there was the battle between Martinez or excuse me. The battle between Jake Ryan and Sam Barrington for that other spot. And then Carl Bradford comes out of nowhere after two lousy training camps and has a great third training camp. And Joe Thomas is Mr. Forgotten. And lo and behold, he wins a roster spot and helps win a football game. So it was uh, a terrific, a terrific defense. It was a terrific decision by Capers and the coaches and a, and a, and a great job by, by Thomas to, uh, get thrown into a role for which he hadn't really practiced a whole lot. I mean, do with the number twos, but to go in there with the number one defense and really make two game-turning plays, a heck of a job. And on the fourth down, some breaking news this morning. I had a whole bunch of Minnesota Vikings news and notes lined up to help you get ready for Sunday night's game, but instead, the Packers have signed left tackle David Bakhtiari to a four-year contract extension worth $51.67 million. And based on the new money, that's 2017 through 2020. That's $12 million per year, according to reports. According to the General Sentinel's Tom Silverstein, Bakhtiari will get $17 million guaranteed, another $10.7 million in roster and workout bonuses. So a big financial payday there for, for Bakhtiari. And you can't help but see the irony here, right? When Bakhtiari was drafted in 2013, I mean, he was just fighting for a roster spot. And then Brian Balaga, the projected left tackle, ends up getting hurt. And Bakhtiari ends up beating up beating out Marshall Newhouse for that for that starting job. And you know Bakhtiari played well as a rookie. And you know time and time again, 
during his first season in two in the league, he, he credited Sitton for his leadership, his intelligence, and, and being a mentor. While well, obviously Sitton gets cut, you know, last Saturday and freeing up six point three million dollars of cap space, and, and that money ends up going to, to Bakhtiari in this extension. So, you know, it's if you if you look at the league, and this is I, you know I did this before this contract. There are 19 starting left tackles were making $7 million per season. Now, do the math here, right? There are 32 left tackles, 32 starting left tackles. So your average starting left tackle, just slightly below average starting left tackle, is in that $7 million per year pay group. And, and of that group, 13 were making $9 million per season. So is Bakhtiar making a lot of money? Well, sure. But I mean, that's just, that's, that's left tackle in this league. And, you know, that... Look at the draft, too. I mean, teams draft left tackles. Heading into week one, 20 of the 32 starting left tackles were taken in the first round, which meant Bakhtiari was the minority as a fourth-round pick. And I asked him about this back early in training camp. I go, what did everybody miss about you? He goes, quote, they missed a lot, apparently. That's their fault. Green Bay didn't miss. Uh, Bakhtiari was well aware that he was – a fourth-round pick in a position filled with early-round guys. He said, quote, I definitely know that. When you think of starting quarterbacks, you think of starting left tackles, and you think of the premier pass rushers, you usually think of the first-rounders. Maybe sometimes you get a gem in the second round. Well, you know what? He's been that gem in the fourth round. He's been obviously been very, very good. You know, for Bakhtiari, this has really been the culmination of an underdog story. I mean, here's a guy who didn't even start until he was a senior in high school. And he wasn't a hot recruit and obviously a, a fourth-round pick. He's, he's always been kind of overlooked. As I asked him about that, he goes, quote, I've always enjoyed people telling me what I can't do. In high school, I didn't play until my senior year, and my coach always told me, as long as I'm the head coach, you're never going to set foot on my field and start. Colleges were telling me I'm too small, not strong enough. NFL telling me I'm a guard or center. I'm like, that's cool, that's fine, but you're going to wish I was out there. Obviously, Green Bay liked what they saw in me. I was able to get my opportunities and ran away with them. He's been really good last year. He gave up five sacks, and that doesn't seem great, but remember this. He hurt his ankle during training camps. I mean, he was hobbled to start the season. Over his last 10 games, he allowed zero sacks. You know, he's given up, you know, he's been penalized some. He's not the world's greatest run blocker, but look, left tackles are, are paid to protect the quarterback, and he's done very well with that. And Green Bay, you know, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> Green Bay showed us last year in Bakhtiari didn't play. I mean, they, they don't help their linemen, and they don't help Bakhtiari. No, no matter who he's playing, David Bakhtiari is expected to win one-on-one matchups. I mean, they're not running Eddie Lacy over there to give chip blocks. They're not swinging in the line left, and so the left guard can help out. Bakhtiari is expected to win. And more often than not, then he's won. And here's one last thing to consider on this. He's an ascending player. I remember when he first came out, the book on him was the bull rush. And we'll forget that. He's gotten bigger and stronger every year. I mean, he would go up against Nick Perry, who's their biggest, strongest outside linebacker. He'd go up against him one-on-one during the one-on-one stuff in training camp. And Perry to get nothing done against him. Bakhtiari has just turned to his, an immovable object. And for a guy who's gotten better and better and better every year, he doesn't turn 25 until September 30th. So for as good as Bakhtiari's gotten, there's more room to grow. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out my stuff at PackerReport.com and to check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, including Locked On NFL, 
Locked On Fantasy and Locked On Vikings to get you ready for Sunday's game. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.